Today's chat is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com FFC. With over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, this is a great alternative for keeping up with the monthly Focus Fire Book Club. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for the 20th installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on November 1st, 2017, over on twitch.tv chat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Our topic for this chat is going to be an introductory, emphasis on the introductory, look at the Marvel Universe. So we're rounding out the, the comic books and the games and the cinematics and all that fun nonsense this is your host blue crew 86 alongside me we have our resident gunter extraordinaire green-eyed music lover green have any thoughts on the topic tonight uh cinematic universe final fantasy you're not final fantasy see Blit beard you did it to me you put it in my head yes yes uh, fantastic four is what i was going to mention yeah just there's a lot of like good things about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then there's some bad things, Fantastic Four, um, that could just kind of go and need to be reworked and redone, and a lot of a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> well, after that, we have our, our crazy grizzled lore fiend over here. You heard him laughing just a second ago, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how about you? You got any thoughts on tonight's topic? Uh, well, I've been a Marvel fan for a pretty long time, but I haven't kept up with it as long as, uh, as, as much as I would like to, uh, I'm excited to kind of hear it from an, a person and otherwise from chat too, that, you know, has a little bit more background with it, but it's, it's definitely one of those things that I haven't followed through my childhood quite as much as I thought I was going to, which is kind of weird. All right. And... Then, of course, for these topics, we always want to make sure that we have someone who is well-versed in the lore, and with a topic as broad as this one, we just went ahead and doubled down on it. So first up, we have DJ Cantrip. DJ, how is everything going for you tonight? It's going good. It's going good. And then can you let us know real quick uh, where people can find you, and then also just kind of what got you into Marvel? Uh, Well, you can find me on Twitter at DJ underscore Cantrip, Um, also on Mixcloud, um, which is a DJ mix site, uh, which is mixcloud.com forward slash cantrip, K-A-N-T-R-I-P. Um, and what got me into Marvel was largely like, I've, Marvel's always been more of a comic, the comic publisher I've preferred. I remember in, uh, I think fourth grade, uh, someone handed me a copy of West Coast Avengers and I just loved it. And then later on, I found bought my first copy of Rocket Raccoon and I just got sucked in from there. So it's it's always been one of my preferred it's been my preferred publisher because of the way they handle their characters and the fact that they do try to mirror modern society a little mm-hmm. better than other publishers do. Yeah. And then last but definitely not least, I want to welcome back one of our community managers and a returning guest co-host Damoel. Damo, how is everything going for you tonight? Uh, fantastic. <laughs> can you let us know where people can find you and what got you into Marvel? 
you can find me at Damoel, D-A-M-O-E-L, on Twitter and uh, on the Focused Fire Discord. Um, the I think the first comic I read from Marvel was Darkhawk, which most people won't have even heard of. Um, and I I really loved it. I just adored it. And then uh, from there, I got into the X-Men, and I really loved the sort of uh, social play of the mutants versus humans versus antagonistic mutants. Um, so that was pretty much my where I where I got into it. Cool. I still love uh, that stuff an awful lot. Awesome. Fun well, fact. Oh no! Here we go. Okay, fun fact. When I was in high school, I was a homecoming queen candidate for football, and they asked us if we could be any superhero. What would we pick? And I picked Rogue from X Men versus the other girls who picked like. Uh, Buttercup from Powerpuff Girls, and two of them picked Powerpuff Girls, and one of them picked something totally different, like Sailor Moon. So it's like, <laughs> you guys don't understand the question. It's fine. <laughs> Rogue, Rogue is a, a damn fine choice. Yes. Rogue is a very, very mm. fine choice. Very fine choice. She's always <sighs> been one of my favorites. <laughs> Let's run through our, our housekeeping notes real quick, and then we'll jump right into the conversation. Before we start off the chat, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed the DC series. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community is loving to play. We try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation on the first Wednesday of each month. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. These include podcasts focused on Destiny, Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghost and Echoes, a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny 1, and the network's newest edition, The Guardian Life, which is a podcast for the casual Guardian's perspective and highlighting all Guardians, large and small. We also actually have some non-Destiny-focused podcasts as well. Those are Paragon Radio, a podcast that focuses on the news and events in Epic Games MOBA, Paragon, and their community, and The Enthusiast Life, a podcast discussing a wide range of fun topics from the entertainment world. Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on the lore of Hellblade, Sinua's Sacrifice. Be sure to jump into the Discord and weigh in on that one. With that, DJ, where do you think is the best place to start when looking for a really basic understanding of the Marvel Universe? Mm. <laughs> New York. New York City, Manhattan. Um, it's, mm. it's No, I mean, honestly, that's, that's a that's good a, starting that's a fair point. Because... Yeah. It is it's honestly a joke that even gets brought up in several of the comics like you like so many people like go to the, like go to LA and you know mm. people be like why did you come out here they'll be like there are plenty of heroes in New York they will be fine <laughs> um, 
or the fact that you know certain uh, there's like a there's actually a comic running for the longest time called Damage Control, which people have been hoping would get made into a show, which was a show a series about the insurance company that insures buildings oh and God. residences oh for God. superhero <laughs> things. So. And it was all based in New York. So, yeah, New York is probably the best place to start for Marvel U. Um, I just want, I'm going to go find that comic book now. <laughs> that yeah, really. Sounds, it's that pretty sounds great. freaking hilarious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and, and also, uh, I know we kind of started with DC. Right. We kind of started with the, the like, breaking the fourth wall and kind of stepping back and looking at the history of Marvel just a little bit or sorry, history of DC. Do we want to do that with Marvel to kind of give us a, an idea of where then where they as a company are coming from when we start talking about some of these, like we're, we're probably going to just touch on really the, the big figures within the universe. Yeah. I mean, do you think that kind of, do you, do you think that I know with DC, it was kind of some of the, some of the, um, flavors of heroes and villains were definitely inspired especially by the time that they were you know introduced and we'll kind of talk about that as well but do you think the history of the company in and of itself do you think that had a significant impact i know i mean obviously it had some impact on the characters but do you think it had any significant impact i think the history had impact on it um to to a certain degree because you once more like with DC within Marvel, you have uh, Jack Kirby as a very central character, um, a very central creator, a very powerful creative presence within there. And there's always been a little bit of controversy um, regarding uh, copyright laws, who created what character, who should own the rights to this. Uh, and that especially gets even stickier now. Um, you know, now that Jack Kirby has passed on, bless him. Um, you know, and I mean, I will on a daily basis read some of the really deep, deep industry comic sites. And yeah, there's still a lot of legal stuff kicking around. But for Marvel, largely, no. The the publishing history of it, like there's a couple basic notes that were in here that um, was a good for like an origin place. But I don't think it drastically impacted the way, say, DC and Charleston had splits uh early on okay because uh, yeah and as far as the basic notes what i what i had just thrown into the show notes it, um the history of marvel real quick was it was founded in around 1939 originally as timely comics and then it took the name atlas comics at around 1950 and then actually the name marvel was actually brought into play around 1961 um and then obviously there was there's depending on how far down that particular rabbit hole you go there's there's some pretty splits on, around the naming because i guess marvel entertainment is not necessarily marvel it's a subsidiary of marvel and so far as like marvel entertainment is because there's there's now and now that's even more splintered because there's the cinematic uh -huh. universe versus the comic book universe versus the gaming the game like the video game universe, like all of them, all of them kind of have um, separate but equal story arcs, but they're all kind of separate in separate. Par is it par like 
universes like do they ever do they take the cinematic universe and the comic book universe and allow for crossover between those because they do no. have the multiverse no. model no because largely much like what's what, with what's happening with dc and their cw tv shows uh you see a lot of like the changes or the presentation of the characters in the movie and this this isn't just recent to the mcu this goes as right, far back right. as like with the first x-men movie that fox put out um there is this rather unfortunate trend of hey this movie's coming out oh we have to suddenly status reset the or do a status quo quo reset in the comics or alter this particular thing because they have this hope that the movie will bring people in to read the comic that never happens sadly um people get interested but then they see the books on the shelves and yeah, no, they, they just never make that leap. But um, yeah, you know, it's the, the cinematic universe, the cinematic universe doesn't really have a play within the Marvel uh, comics themselves. Okay. Cause I know that kind of plays into the conversation we were, we had a little bit earlier about the, the guardians of the galaxy and mm-hmm. like the different, the yeah. different iterations of their team. But so I was just curious about that. I, I did note that right. one of the one of the things that the Marvel Universe does that I really like, and I don't know if DC... I'm assuming DC has one of these as well, but they have something called the Official Handbook of the Marvel Universe, which is kind of like a... It's like a... I don't even know, like an encyclopedia, basically, of everything that's going it's on. It's the best way... Yeah, it's the mm. best way to explain well, it. That I've was got it actually, sitting somewhere. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. Like I was actually reading like the history of that, how that came about. And in nine, it says in 1982 they had this. Uh, there, there was their first miniseries, and it was called the Contest of Champions. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly like the whole. I, I actually wasn't really reading to know the story arc. I was actually just kind of reading behind the scenes, like the the idea of what it was. And it actually was meant to kind of bring all the characters in the universe together and kind of throw them and see how they worked and all that. And so, and that was actually, that's actually considered by a lot of people to be the precursor of what is now known as the official handbook of the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that was kind of an interesting thing. And then my, my other final note is uh, similar to DC Marvel does have a, kind of a parallel universe thing going on and Mm -hmm. marvel kind of unequivocally bases a lot of well the majority of everything in earth prime or as some in the marvel universe call it earth 616 what what's the importance of 616 is my question like where did it's random okay it is ran it is a random it's It's random it's it's Alan Moore once more wreaking havoc in the uh, comic book community um, <laughs> because we all love that crazy old wizard. Uh, no, it was just a it was just an offhand like he just mentioned it. He used to write uh, because Marvel had two separate branches for a period of time. They had the the UK branch where they published a Doctor Who comic on top of like some other titles mm-hmm. like Death's Head, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Captain Britain, etc. And in there. Uh, since Captain Britain is a rather multi-dimensional type character, they mentioned that the Captain Britain for our universe comes from 616, Earth 616. And it just kind of traveled and just <laughs> proliferated. Just stuck. 
And so no one would have ever suspected that Earth 616 came from like this book that no one in America really would have read unless you were a really hardcore Captain Britain fan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where it came from. Well, all right. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I've always I've always heard Earth 616. And it's just been one of those things where it's like, I, don't, I have no idea where this is coming from. But OK. Random muttering from uh, Grumpy Dumbledore. That's what all it right. was. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, do you want to you want to just dive into some of the, the big figures? Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's the, do it. The nice thing in demo, I think this was actually something we had made a comment on on the DC one was like. DC had some really, really interesting. I can't, now I'm going. I'm going to say it wrong because I flipped it in my head. What what it was? God, man, I just I just total I went completely blank on what where I was going with. Uh, DC tends to focus on very, uh, very core, uh, non complicated heroes, and then adds a lot of the complication through their villains. Right. And Marvel okay. kind of tends to do the opposite. Opposite, right? Um, hmm. A lot of their villains hmm. are very easy to understand what they're up what they're trying to do right thanos galactus uh most of the spider-man they're 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 not super complicated characters they might have complicated motivations but uh but their heroes tend to be very very complicated uh tony stark mm -hmm. again spider-man um jessica jones is a great example there mm -hmm. oh jessica um, jones truth uh so that's kind of an interesting dichotomy i think well and marvel also tends to be not so rigid on the definition of hero uh they have mm, a lot of like they have a lot i mean the one that comes to mind is punisher punisher and deadpool right. which are consistent i mean air quotes heavy I mean, air quotes here, honestly, superhero like, honestly Wolverine like, for a long complex. period of time Wolverine I mean, for a long period of time yeah I'll, I'll just go full controversial and say Magneto, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Magneto he, he, was right. Yeah. Magneto was right. Sorry. Like, <laughs> like you want to you want to talk about complicated as to whether they're they're a hero or whether that description applies? That's the man right there. My right, my single right. favorite character in the entire Marvel universe. I mean, even we were talking go Brotherhood. Uh, Go brotherhood. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, but like the Fantastic Four, right? You know, the Fantastic Four were, you know, I think arguably they are one of the original uh, groupings, right? It's Not like, arguably, yeah, yeah, they are. They, they, they are. They are Marvel's first family officially. Yeah. They are Marvel's first family, and it's a very important distinction that family bit because it's key to understanding that that particular story and title. I think. Oh, I was thinking. I was thinking of Avengers being the remake of the All Winter Squad. Yeah. Okay. So Fantastic Four was in 1961, and then, um, but their their main, you know, their main big bad, Mister Mister Baron Von Doom. All right. He's gotten Doom. he's gotten a lot more complicated over the years. Well, too. no, he right, but, yeah. but but now he's it's freaking Iron Man now. Yeah. <sighs> But I mean, but that's that's what, I, what we were talking about a little bit before the show started up. It was like, you know, Doom is kind of trying to redeem himself, but not really. But he is. And he like kind of bounces back and forth. And then, you know, even within that group and this again, Damo, I know kind of goes back to what you're saying. There is the the main figure of that group, uh, Mr. Fantastic. OK, so so back up real quick. Fantastic Four. You got obviously four individuals. Mr. Fantastic, you know, the human stretch thing uh invisible woman human torch and the thing 
Okay, so those are the four main figures of the Fantastic Four, um, and their mm-hmm. their their title villain. I I'm trying to remember if there was anything other than Doom. I mean, Mole Man. I know, who was it? Mole Man. Oh, Mole Man. Okay. Mole Man. Yeah, it was one of their first. Wasn't Namor technically, or did Namor was was Namor more of the ally? Namor's more was more of a frenemy. Oh, that's yeah, right. Because he, he Facebook wanted... status complicated. Yeah, he wanted Sue. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Every, I mean, in, especially in the early stuff, everyone wanted Sue. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna. I'm not. Anyways. I'm not kidding. Like that's complicated. <laughs> no, <laughs> like family that's drama. Part of the story. Yeah. It is. It is um... legitimately, part, unfortunately. <laughs> But I mean, and and that and they, I mean, well, and that ties into you know what you were saying earlier, demo is about the the complicated heroes. I mean, you had this Fantastic Four, this group of people who have, I mean, given the iter, you know, depending on which iteration you're looking at, you have either they're all like most of them are family, none of them are family, you know, whatever. And then the thing, the whole the whole situation with him, the tension between all that that group and what happened and all this stuff. And then you have their villain who is. A guy who wears a metal mask and wants to take over a small country, like well, he owns the small country. Well, he owns it. He wants. He wants to take yeah. over the world, right? <laughs> but I mean, like he's he's like it's like you have like this this like nest of like things going on, and then over here in the villain, you're you're just like, yeah, I'm going to take over the world. I was like, <laughs> I remember when I first read, it, I was like, there has got to be something else going on with it. No, there there wasn't. It, it was just well, like he was just I, like I find really interesting about the fantastic four is that a lot of what makes them story worthy and what makes their them click is actually that they're like the drama is a huge part of right. their storytelling right like a lot of fantastic four stories don't follow the the more standard like kind of hero's journey a lot of it's like them you know kind of infighting and and wrestling with each other and their their sort of personal feelings and then eventually like kind of getting past that crap and you know actually whomping the villain right and one thing i want to mention before we go too far is that the the two things actually kind of interesting to me because my theory is that one of the reasons why she was written that way is like if you look at early marvel she's one of the only sort of socially acceptable female characters mm-hmm. um because outside of her, like the Avengers didn't have anybody for a while, if I remember. No, right. Wasp. They had Wasp. Wasp was founding member. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. Wasp was another one too. But I think didn't she have that problem with everybody wanting Wasp too? Yes. She was married. No, she, she was, was married, married to, to Anchor Pam off the bat. So you so, know we can't have people. But so, yeah, so, so back to the socially a, acceptable thing. Yeah, and but then, you want to talk like, about drama on that one. And then eventually, mm. no, well, we're not mentioning the yeah. Ultimates line here. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, nope. uh, but then, like, a lot of the female, early female characters were mutants, which were, you know, sort of directly written as not necessarily socially acceptable. Right. Well, and that was, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's X-Men. their whole, that's the whole plot line right, is right. whether oh, these God. people are acceptable. Oh, my God. Yeah, the whole Jean Grey thing. Oh, I mean, another everybody wants. Mm-hmm. Well, and the whole thing with X Men wasn't that uh, wasn't that Lee basically being because didn't he create X Men because he wanted to have a group of people who had powers that he didn't have to explain, like that were like mm-hmm. basically. He I didn't always want to I've always to, like, heard that a lot a lot of it was they re- they specifically wanted that 
sort of social commentary of a civil I mean, that's rights. Been, yeah, basically, was, yeah. yeah. I was trying to avoid. Rights. I was dancing, but yeah, basically, yeah. they wanted the they wanted the comic that was the civil rights thing, and I mean, right. at its best, when it's when it's doing well, in my opinion, that is what. Oh X-Men yeah, I mean, well, I mean, when it's I mean, speaking well, yeah. speaking of Brotherhood of the Mutants, that was, I mean, Magneto's big big uh, issue with everything yeah. was was the way that he viewed. And I mean, getting into a bit of the villains there. Yeah. Yeah. Getting it. Okay. Well, let's. (sighs) So getting, getting into that arc though, I mean, Magneto, and again, this is kind of where Marvel actually does give a bit of complexity to an arc, a a villain at at least an initial figure that was presented as a villain. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. Magneto, you know, it turns out, later i think later in the series he wasn't originally introduced with the backstory of the, the it was very early though it was, was very it, was, early yeah, was it fairly early because i don't they, know if I it mean, was initial or not but it was very very early if not like that was intended to be a big part of his okay because i mean that that his, to me when i when i when i was introduced to him i was like that makes perfect sense his entire worldview you know was shaped by this right event. and i'll actually i'm gonna go ahead and just kind of disagree that he was initially introduced as a villain i think there are some times where he was a villain early on but i think that very clearly they intended him to be a complicated character that you couldn't just put into a box box right which i can also see the the case of i mean again with the x-men the the entire x-men world has been it's been heavily about social issues and all arguably oh, yeah. at its core it is the most muddied of the comic universes i've read and i put that up against some really dark stuff too um it and because... uh, it was past 10 years has been really hard to read for yeah, the x-men like, and i'm not saying that because of bad writing and bad creative directions but because of we'll probably get into it a little later but there was a very specific event that occurred within the marvel universe that drastically reshaped the world for the mutants within that within the un, within the Marvel universe, and it made everything very dark, just yeah. by the nature of what it was. Uh, and you know, when you hand any creative team that, like, oh, do what you want with these guys, but remember, this happened. Yeah, I actually haven't read a lot of X Men since that happened because I'm not a particularly big fan of the the twist and the way it's gone. But that's personal yeah. choice. So, but X Men is a weird one. <laughs> yeah, I would argue right, that you right. can't really. There are very few people in that in there that you can point to as just plain villain. Um, no, Magneto has like, been like, a hero. Magneto has been a hero. He's related. To I mean, school. this this world this world exists because Magneto exists. Like in the in the the X Men universe, right? Like he has saved it, arguably more than some of the heroes have. Oh, you mean you mean Professor X isn't a hero? Uh, he is, but he's so like brainwashing. <laughs> yeah, but one of the great things about Charles, yeah, one of the great things about Charles is also that he's just such an idealist that sometimes that, I mean, yeah. arguably can twist him around almost to the villainhood, he's right? So, like sometimes he's, he's he's the living he's, proof of uh, letting letting the right thing lead you down the wrong path. Yeah. Which is, I mean, one of my favorite X-Men, and I'm going to get some flack here, I'm sure, is Cyclops. Because when he's written well, he's very much a, a, a part of that story, right? Cyclops' yeah. mm-hmm. struggle mm-hmm. with where he belongs in the mutant universe is intrinsically tied into the two people that he sort of respects most in the universe being so far to either edge that he's often very confused. Uh, and I will 
definitely caveat that I like it. Cyclops when he's well written and not when he's a complete doof. <laughs> <laughs> Which does happen. You kind of you, you kind of just summed up the yeah. You you kind of just summed up my experience with the uh, the '90s cartoon at the very least. I was like, <laughs> some of the episodes I love yeah. the Cyclops, and then others I was like, what is this? Yeah, what even what even is this character? What is the point of this right. guy? Like, is he just supposed to be comic relief? But he sort of knows it. Like, what's what's he mean? That's a great series, but yeah, it's got some ups and downs. Even even as a six year old, I was sitting there watching it, going, "Why is he so angsty so much?" What is going on here? <laughs> Why is he so angst? Like, does he not know how to relax? Jeez. Yeah, really. Um, well, so, I mean, it's like, look, I get you're well, angry because you shoot a red wrong. beam, but... <laughs> <laughs> Constantly seeing red. That's all he sees. Yeah, but basically. Uh, I mean, I, do you have, like, red bull syndrome here or something? Literally, that's all he can see. Because those glasses uh, make everything red. Yeah. Uh, that That's six-year-old me, by the way. Just when I do this voice, you understand? Okay. Oh God! <laughs> well, and you want to talk about another group that has a bit of complexities, is and well, and and has changed quite a bit as well as the Avengers. When they were, they mm. were. I think I, I Avengers. Want to put one, <gasps> I want to put X-Men commented. Uh, another thing that makes mm-hmm. Scott great is his interactions with one of my favorite actual villains. I will say, uh, which is uh, Mister Sinister, mm. uh, when he's written well. Yeah. Uh, We'll get back to him when we get to the X Men, but yeah, the the, yeah. the Avengers oh. are definitely, um, I mean, Civil War. <clears throat> cough, cough. Uh, uh, well, wait, the thing wait, is, wait. Is... let's say Civil War at its core, maybe not the execution, but like yeah. that is a very yeah. good. That is a very yes. like at, at its core and what it was supposed to mean. It's a very good window into the Avengers universe, so to speak, what what makes them tick and, it, and what, that, yeah. what they struggle with. It was, and it was also a really great way for the, for Marvel to kind of, I don't think they intended for it to happen, based off several of their Avengers central events that have occurred over the past couple of years, I don't think they honestly intend for the timing to happen the way it does. But the what was happening with the Avengers post-Civil War in the comics leading up to their Heroes Reborn event um, was actually a pretty interesting take on what would happen with what what would happen if we have to legislate superheroes. Mm. Well, I mean, both both comic companies have done something with that, and I loved both mm. of their approaches at their core. I think DC's um, stuff more often hit the mark, but it was also much less of a giant event, which I think is much harder to pull off. Yeah, precisely. Um, and actually, I think but... one of DC's best examples of it is in Smallville. Um, they basically do their own kind of registration act in that, and it's very interestingly done. But yeah, I mean, it's oh. a cool story to try to figure out how you would regulate superheroes if you even could. Well, I think the nice the think the thing about the Avengers is, and this is something that, with the exception of say the X Men, uh, is the core with a lot of the Marvel teams, and Avengers being a good example of it, is people with particular talents, people from di- different parts of life, different worldviews, seeing this greater threat and coming together and uh, dealing with it. The Avengers have had so many diverse lineups. We won't mention the '90s Leather Jacket Squad. Um, why you mean everyone the was... best Leather Jacket Squad? Ah, 
God, why did everyone have to wear those stupid aviator jackets? It made no sense. Um, <laughs> but the Avengers have always had a rather diverse lineup. They've been, it's been as many as like, say, 16 members across four teams doing various roles in each team to just four people because everyone was just done. It's a team where they actively vocalized the politics within it, the fact that they were privately funded which that's never a good thing. Um, you know, the fact that the leadership passed, which for Marvel was a big deal, uh, the leadership of the Avengers passed to, uh, to several women over the course of times when it was like a woman in charge of a superhero team? What are you writing? Um, they've even like, it's also brought in a lot of former villains like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and Hawkeye um, who become probably some of the most renowned heroes within the Marvel Universe as well. So the Avengers have always been like this interesting forum for Marvel to do whatever they want with. They can do either politically or social commentary-related stories. They can do superheroes beating up costume bad guys, or they can do massive intergalactic, interdimensional, weird, metaphysical, trippy conflicts which they're currently doing right now. Um, so I've always liked how diverse the Avengers can be. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, unfortunately, has to kind of narrow its scope down just because they are working with a medium that is probably a little less flexible than print comic. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think they... Uh, well, I mean, important... they just don't have as much time to tell, but they've still well, covered... A surprisingly large amount of that stuff, I think. Yeah, the first Avengers movie was actually very faithful to the origin of them, which was Loki causing trouble, assemble. (laughs) Um, And I mean, their Civil War was incredibly well done. Uh, Yeah, and it was actually fairly well close to the core of Civil War, too. I love that. Yeah, I uh, well, yeah. and I feel like they made Tony a lot more understandable in the movie than they did in. uh, That's true. They did. And well, I think it also helped that the ending did not end the way the comics of the way it ended. ended. Yeah, because yeah. that kind of made that honestly had a lot of negative repercussions on Iron Man. The way that that entire thing went down. So, well, I mean, it's kind of the only way that particular strain could have ended. Right, and I think it, that was that was, was like when you're reading it, you're you're like it's like you were reading the arc and you're like, this is going in a bad place. And you could kind of see, like, I think even authors kind of were like, this is getting uncomfortable. Like the way it yeah. had to escalate. It was like, Oh, I, I, I definitely think some, some hands were tied lo- on how which, that happened. Which I love the fact that the X-Men almost exist like their own kind of like, they aren't a separate publishing line, but they almost exist like their own right. separate publishing line within Marvel. Like they have their own publishing office. Because there was this, uh, it was around the time the Civil War event occurred, around the time uh, the events of House of M occurred, which the aforementioned event that we talked about was uh, due to a X-Men Avengers crossover called House of M, Scarlet Witch goes insane, creates this world where mutants are, mutants are in charge. Mm-hmm. Everyone starts to kind of slowly wake up. There's all this fallout that occurs. She realizes that she's insane. She hates her father. And then as she comes out of this, resets the world, she says, no more mutants. And billions of mutants are depowered, leaving only 191 mutants powered. Of course, those are the 191 mutants that 
are the most viable to publish. Um, <laughs> Coincidentally, I'm sure. <laughs> what? Rip, rip Jubilee. Rip Jubilee. Um, God, it's so bad what they did to her. But anyway, so anyway, yeah. there's this beautiful bit where basically the X-Men do this, like, let's get all, because we have enough real estate, let's get all 200 mutants left, let's set them up refugee camp Find the last of our species. Find the last (laughs) of our species, bring them to the house, because that's a smart move. And (laughs) Cyclops, there's a bunch of weird stuff, but basically Cyclops is in charge of the X-Men. Professor X is, we don't talk about him. Tony Stark rolls. Tony Stark rolls up to the X-Men's lawn. talking about this arc. (laughs) Tony... (laughs) Tony Stark rolls up to the X-Men's lawn and kind of looks at Cyclops and says, so this registration thing, and Cyclops just says, really? Well, considering they did that already. Well, no, actually, they never did officially do a Mutant Registration Act, but it was one of those things where Cyclops was like, Cyclops was like, no, we're not going to register. This is stupid. Look at our race. Our race is like, there's this is le- what's left of us. You can see them. They're on the back lawn playing volleyball. Um, <laughs> they literally are all here. Um, but eventually they buy up, bypass that by doing some other weird stuff and becoming the official heroes of San Francisco. Uh, but yeah, it was literally a moment where Tony Stark, as you were mentioning, like Tony Stark got put in a bad place. He had to roll up to this to the mutants and go say, "I need you to sign this sheet of paper." No. <laughs> I know, like, people, like, actively hunt you down and murder you, and we're going to have to publish this, so they're going to hunt you down and murder you, but I need you to do it anyway. Oh, my God. Precisely. So, uh, but the Avengers have always, but Civil War was a major turning point for the Avengers. They're thankfully kind of back to the semi-well-funded team that goes and handles global threats now, because Marvel is trying to bring several of their teams back to their core ideas so that people can get on board with them. Uh, Which actually, and I actually think that ties into why the movies um, have trouble connecting people back to the books. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, realistically for these people, the only way to find these books is the the current ones. And a lot of them are so complicated and, and different and not what you, not the cores that you see in the movies that, yeah, I think that's a big problem for people. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, I mean, hopefully Marvel's learning the lesson that they need to have core books that kind of just, you know, the, the this is just kind of the X-Men, right? It just kind of does the X-Men things. Right. And then they can have other arcs that they do things um, with to like sort of, you know, I- explore those boundaries and push things a bit, but like, mm-hmm. Well, and I was going to say, too, like with the Avengers, you know, and Avengers is one of the ones that their original group compared to, let's let me just compare it to the cinematic group, right? The original group mm-hmm. was Ant-Man, Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, and the Wasp. Captain America wasn't even in the original. He he was later, no. like he was brought in once they, you know, thawed him out. Pretty quick. Yeah, he was, yeah. I think it was like, what was it, issue four or something? Like it was, it was, yeah, it was four pretty five, quick. Yeah. But like, but I mean, the original group I mean, of that original group, you only have three of them. Well, now Ant-Man, I think, is... Is Ant-Man in the Avengers now in the same universe? No, he's directly mm-hmm. out the Avengers. Oh, okay. He's <laughs> a wanted criminal, he was, remember? Was, oh, that's he right. He was part of the uh, Wakandan vacation squad, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just remember, yeah. I just remember him, him, uh, him fighting yeah. uh, Falcon and being like... <laughs> well, that was... So that was, I mean, that was why he got recruited to the the 
at that point not the right. Wakandan Vacation Squad, but soon to be the Wakandan Vacation Squad. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I mean, like, and and there then there was the whole. I mean, there is there's a lot of drama within the original group that, as Damo has already mentioned, we're not going to get into because uh, it gets really uncomfortable really fast. Um, hmm. But well, the, the stuff I was talking about was actually a separate continuity. But oh, I was talking about between Ant Man and Wasp. I, that got worse in other books. That's what yeah. I was talking about. Oh, it did. Oh, okay, we're not. We're oh, yeah. oh, it got we're much worse in the ultimates. In the ultimates, we're not talking about bad. the ultimate universe. No, we're not talking <laughs> no, about no, no, no. Actually, I think that there. Are, I, we're I, not going to mention Ultimate Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Not at all. We are not uh, going to mention the Ultimates, but I think we, I think we do a disservice if we do not mention the Ultimate Universe. Um. Okay. So just real quick, Ultimate Universe, Marvel separate publishing line. They wanted to try something new. They wanted to revigorate Spider-Man. Because at this point in the comics, Spider-Man was 30-something-year-old, married, happy, and not the angsty teenager wrestling with power and responsibility. So they launched Ultimate Spider-Man. That was kind of a reset, separate world. But it grew out from there with Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate... Uh, and they just did an Avengers team called The Ultimates. Which is uh, what we're not talking about. <laughs> and then Ultimate Fantastic Four... And they're the core, one of the core aspects of that publishing line was death is permanent, not in what? like serious, serious. <laughs> no, seriously, death is permanent. The biggest mm-hmm. arc they did was who killed Peter uh, was the death of Spider-Man. It was the actual death of Peter Parker, oh, which is where yep. we get Miles Morales. Uh, there was an event that they did called Ultimatum where Magneto kind of really lost his lost his cool and played with like tides. And wiped out, like, I think, like, what, 50% of the population uh, and almost all except for, like, three members of the Ultimates and almost the entirety of the mutant race in the process. Wow. And it was permanent. There was no, hey, they're going to come back from the dead. It was, so we need a new Wolverine. How do we come up with a new Wolverine? We're out of ideas. Um, But I think so... For people mm-hmm. wanting to read Spider-Man and not necessarily wanting to like sift through the many, many years, um, I actually think that Ultimate Spider-Man is a very good read. I think Ultimate it, Spider-Man is, a mayor, is amazing, yeah. It captures the core of him. Ultimate X-Men is pretty fun, too, but it's kind of crazy. Um, uh, it, it gets into Ultimate territory. Yeah, um. Ultimate... <laughs> no, I don't, I don't agree with that. I actually think it's valid and worth reading, unlike Ultimates. Um, <laughs> and then a lot of the, the other side stuff is a lot of fun um there's like <laughs> ultimate team ups which is really fun it's just like random pairings of characters you might not have thought would pair and some you would uh ultimate daredevil i think is very good um but yeah it's it's definitely worth looking at as long as you avoid ultimates like the fiery plague that it is <laughs> well and talking well, talking, talking about talking random about... team ups you want to talk about the defenders and it's the original the original defenders group <laughs> Yes. Um, oh my gosh, this is like the weirdest group. I was looking at these okay. guys and I'm like, what is this? And I actually yeah. was talking to, I was talking to Grizzly about this beforehand and um I kind of realized like when I threw that in there, I was like, oh no. No one else is going to know exactly. Okay. So for anyone who goes and reads a Defenders comic and go, why is Doctor Strange on the cover? Doctor Defenders is Doctor Strange's version of the Avengers. There, it's never a set lineup. It's always he brings in the right people for the right type of mission that he's setting up. It's kind of Charlie's um, so, Angels, but with a wizard. Yeah, precisely. Charlie Angels. 
with uh, with Benedict Cumberpatch was a wizard with uh, Benedict Cumberpatch saying uh, we have to go save the world. Um, the lineup has always shifted. There's been the Hulk on there. There's been Red She Hulk. Yes, that's a thing. Um, she really uh, Machine Man. Uh, yeah, like various B and C list heroes. It's where they took these characters that they wanted to do something with, but they didn't know what to do with. So they're like, just put them in this book. It wasn't until the cinematic universe dropped and they started doing the whole Netflix continuity that the Defenders became the title of the Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist team. Um, they were all kind of, that entire group of heroes, the street-level heroes, which I guess we'll kind of get into a little later, were all kind of just colloquially known at that point as like a heroes for hire type of a thing because that was mm-hmm. the that main was team. Yeah, that, that was Luke Cage yeah. and Iron Fist's Iron Fist. Yeah, and there was those, and several of those characters, those street level characters, would cycle in and out as associates for Heroes for Hire. Most um, notably, uh, Colleen and uh, oh, what am I uh, Misty. Misty, yeah, also known as the Daughters of the Dragon. Um, but yeah, uh, the Defenders is weird. It's it, like if you want to like read some very straight up, this can only happen in a comic book type of stuff. Read, go read the Defenders or Doctor Strange um, in general. Or Doctor Strange, yeah. Uh, another great title for that is uh, a, t- a title called Exiles, uh, which yes. is marginally part of the X Men thing. And the whole point of this, it's it's actually fairly brilliant. Like, there's uh, sort of a central dude that uh, is trying to fix things that have broken in various parts of the multiverse, and so he grabs people from other broken multiverses where they've essentially been deleted by the break, and says, "Well, you don't exist anymore." But if you come work for me, one of my other teams will eventually fix your 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 universe and you'll be back. But until then, I'll keep you around if you will work for me so that you can come back. And so <laughs> they travel around to all of these bizarre timelines where stuff's crazy. Like, uh, you know, one of the most famous events in, in Marvel history is the, the Dark Phoenix storyline, right? Where mm-hmm. Phoenix goes insane, and she or Jane goes insane, and gets gets the Phoenix Force, and ends up eating a bunch of planets. And traditionally, there's a big trial, and Scott sort of talks her down, and she sort of willingly gives up the power. Well, one of the very first things that the Exiles do in the comics is they go to a universe where that isn't supposed to happen. She is, in fact, supposed to be unrepentant and blow everything up, um, and so they do that, and like you just get to see Phoenix shredding the entire superhero. Uh, portfolio of that universe because you know she's basically a deity mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what the exiles are um and it's there's actually not a ton of it but it's it's a lot of fun in my opinion yeah. <laughs> that's I, I just like the tagline well you don't exist but if you work for me you could possibly Maybe you will come again. back <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'll probably great, die before that, but... great selling point you know a great selling mm-hmm. point I mean, he's sounds like Cade trying to recruit you for something. <laughs> captive audience, man. <laughs> captive audience. <laughs> you don't really have anywhere else to go. And um, like, it, they, it's another thing where they grab a lot of B um, sort of mm-hmm. line characters, like characters you thought you may think you'd, you'd never see again. One of my favorites from uh, the Age of Apocalypse stuff. Blink is in it. Um, one of the first characters is um, uh, Nightcrawler's daughter or granddaughter. I honestly don't remember. Um, there's just a lot of really cool 
because it's it's I mean it's a line they could do whatever they wanted in right, right the right. universes didn't matter there was no there was no need for continuity they could kill characters and leave them dead because he, they'd never be back to that universe and it was just and that's that's the thing that that's the brilliant thing I I've always admired about Marvel is what you just said right there unlike DC which occasionally has to go oh wait who wrote what again um <laughs> Marvel's just like oh yeah that happened in a different dimension. Well, was it real? Yeah, no, it's continuity. It's canon, but it happened over here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. DC does do the same stuff. Some of their weirder stuff is where Earth 2 originally came from. Mm. Um, so DC has gotten on that train, too, and DC has their own. Yeah. Like, we don't really know who wrote what anymore, so we're just, we're just going to crisis now. Like, for example, back in, the, back, in the 80s, back in the 80s, there was a... They, Marvel would put out like a... Marvel had like this separate publishing line, which did uh, kind of kid-friendly comics: Richie Rich, Heath Heathcliff the Cat, um, Strawberry Shortcake, stuff like that. One of the ones they put out was the I'm not like Spider Ham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was an anthropomorphic pig version of Spider Man, Peter Porker, <laughs> who was bitten by it's all pig jokes. It's pig jokes all the way down, man. Now this is, here's the funny this is, thing. This is, this is, oh. Here's the funny oh, thing. He's part of Marvel canon now, boy. He oh, is, because no. there was an event Edge of the called Verse, Edge of the Spider-Verse, Spider-verse. where Spider-Man had to recruit all these Spider-Men from various universes, which is where we got Spider-Gwen, by the way, and I'm very <laughs> thankful for that. Is that where that came from? I was that wondering where, where that came Spider-Gwen, from. Spider-Gwen started as a one-shot, and after like its fifth printing, Marvel's like, okay, fine, we'll give her a series. <laughs> he's, like, a under, he's underselling that a little too. It wasn't just that it was selling out. It was that the fans were screaming in every possible place to scream. There was a punk board. band that found out, oh, Spider-Gwen is in a band. In that comic, she was part of a band called the Mary Janes. This like little three-piece punk band out of Texas changed their name temporarily, created a whole new band profile, and then put out like a six-song EP as the Mary Janes. Wow. The Spider-Gwen love is understated. But anyway, um, Spider-Ham is legit because he got brought in to the Edge of the Spider-Verse event <laughs> as one of the agents of the Spider-Verse, the Web Warriors, as they call themselves. Which actually um, Straczynski, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who's a certifiable genius, kind of started ages ago. <laughs> So the thing is, is I, again, that's the beautiful one... thing about Marvel. It happened over here, but it's still canon. They are definitely much more willing to reach into the basement and just like, oh, this is weird. Okay, let's do this. Let's put this back. Let's just let's just put this back. Let's just put this right back in continuity and see what happens. Beard, what are you doing? Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. That's all I got to say. Uh, you, um, you just, I love you just Howard. Took... You just took the words out of my mouth because I was going to ask, was there any kind of crossover with Howard and Ham? Because if that didn't happen, that needed to happen. No, but there I have don't... been a couple there have been a couple crossovers recently with Howard and Rocket. Right, uh, I've seen yeah, those. Yeah, well, and Howard I mean, it shows up in one of my is it's in uh, the cinematic universe too. Howard shows up in the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's is, in, he's, oh, that's going to go ahead. It's like that's gonna immediately make that movie go R rated. You know uh, that, right? Oh no, no. He, the reason why the 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 uh, the cameo that's the reason why it was after the credits. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. and just a cameo. And and he um, didn't. I don't think he said anything. He was drinking. No, though. he was drinking, yes. but he didn't say anything because yeah, you're right. It would have 
that would have he he actually shows up in one of my favorite of marvel's new titles which is mockingbird um, mm. which is yeah. an utterly fantastic i really love yeah. that series I, yeah I, I can't... Uh... it's it's interesting because like there's a there's a there's the letters uh to the to the editor so to speak at the end um as there usually is in comics and one person's like well you know it because it's it's sort of a female-centric book uh in that mockingbird is female and it's sort of her doing her thing and uh it's kind of like somebody asks why is there just beefcake why don't we ever see any you know you know half naked females and they're like well this is told from her perspective so like she probably never really accentuates or remembers herself in you know compromising positions but when you know hawkeye or um her, her boyfriend are i don't remember his name now god why i'm so bad with names um you know she remembers that that's an important part of the story to her so that's you know why you know she's wearing sort of normal stuff um and they're half naked most of the time and also because it's <laughs> well hawkeye. to be on yeah well no and i will say that um Hawkeye is one of my favorite characters. Uh, if if anyone likes the character Hawkeye from the movie, but just realize Hawkeye in the movie is nothing like Hawkeye in the comics. Hawkeye in the comics is a former criminal that became an Avenger. Uh, he was actually part of a Captain America's the second iteration, major most popular iteration of the Avengers was uh, the Caps. Uh, I'm not liking lying. This is what they called it, Caps Freaky Four. Mm-hmm. It was Captain America, Scarlet what? Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye. That was it. Uh, Captain America and three X cons. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember Scarlet Witch and, and in the in the normal continuity, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are Magneto's children, and yeah, it's not anymore. They <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, well, actually, and the funny thing is, is like they quickly renounce their father's evil ways, etc., and so forth. Yeah, but, they, they um, him, well, his his ways. Let's not. Yeah. Let's oh not yeah. Let's not say. Yeah, let's, get to the, let's get to the X-Men part before we fight. <laughs> um, but uh, okay, but um, but basically Hawkeye is uh, one of my favorite. He, he's presented as someone who's everywhere. He's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's an, he's an Avenger. He's a major screw up. Um, and if anyone can go read uh, the Matt Fraction, David Aja, A.J.A. Uh, run on Hawkeye, My Life is a Weapon. It's wonderfully told and it actually gives you very good insight as to and I'm no no lie. First lines in it, he's like, I'm not. It's like he's like, I fight villains with a weapon from the Paleolithic era. I had to look that up. Paleolithic. That's it. That's what he says. That's the type of guy he is. So, <laughs> and then real quick, just to run through. Do you want to run through some of the 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 villainous organizations that we see in Marvel before we go yeah. into the full? the full-blown fight that is going to be X-Men. Oh, God. Well, we still got a couple of other teams, too, don't we? Like, we have a... Uh, yeah, we have the Inhumans, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. is a tender subject for, for DJ right now. No, it's just frustrating, that's all. Um, <laughs> Where even is that at? It's canceled again, right? Or something? It's canceled no, again. <laughs> it, was only eight, it, it was only eight episodes. I think they just kind of filmed it, and they're like, well, that was a bad idea, but at least let's put it on Hulu. Um, it's on Hulu, <laughs> by the way. I got Marvel. five minutes in. I stopped. Yeah, um, I, I like Marvel, but they're they're definitely outside of Netflix. Obviously, struggling with the TV division. Yeah, just a bit. Um, um then... so basically, they are um the Inhumans are uh, humans that were 
kidnapped by this alien race called the Kree. They were experimented on and turned into weapons, kind of like mutants, but mutants kind of naturally evolved from humanity. The inhumans were created. And then when exposed to a certain chemical called Terrigen, if you've seen the agents of the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you probably know this, they, it, they develop powers that are specifically designed to serve some role in society. Uh, originally, the Inhumans started off as like a, it was the royalty, Black Bolt, Medusa. It was the royal court that kept all the Inhumans safe on their city, on the moon, in an air bubble, I don't know. Jack Kirby, everyone. <laughs> Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. I mean, this is the guy who brought us the new gods, right? This guy's a genius, yeah. but he's definitely a little out there. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, but basically, that's what it was. The Inhumans was played up to a little bit more of the uh, political intrigue, alien connections, um, the, in occasionally Fantastic Four, because several members of the Inhumans were members of the Fantastic Four, like Medusa or Crystal. Um, Medusa actually showed up, I think, in a... Sp- Spider-Man comic first is a possible villain. And then I think they just went a different direction with her. Um, now the Inhumans kind of became Marvel's new mutants, quote unquote, uh, when they didn't have a naturally occurring power set hmm. within humanity. They couldn't use mutants because of Fox and copyright. So the Inhumans are now a little bit more spread out. They're more ingrained into society. But that's what the Inhumans were. They were uh, kind of space royalty with super massive superpowers and very weird. Do not watch the TV show. I'm telling you, just spare yourself. Go read the comics. <laughs> um, okay, I'm just going to rant about this. The character's name is Medusa. Her power is she has long red hair that she can use. It's iron strength. It's her limbs. She's stupid powerful. What do they do? They shave off her head. Shave off her hair. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Nothing <laughs> could ever go wrong with that. Well, it's literally impossible in the comics. You can't. Uh, hair like it's uh, well, and then skeleton probably breaks before her hair does. Oh um, god! All right, so I'm done. But that's <laughs> good. Um, uh, speaking of breaking man, people, for the man sobbing on the ground. For a few of the other, a few of the other uh, heroes that um, I I found interesting because I actually never even really connected these. Uh, Blade, so yes, the vampire Mm -hmm. hunter Blade is actually from Marvel. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, Punisher. Most people recognize that he was one of the Mm -hmm. later additions to the. He's also one of the a very shining example Mm -hmm. of a hero who isn't really a hero, and even he admits that he's not a hero. But he actually looks argue, like yeah. the Captain America. I would argue that, yeah, I would argue that you can't call him a hero because, it, like, not what he does is never heroic, right? He's right. Not, he's not ever trying to be a hero. He accidentally or sort of does heroic things on the way to do what he wants, but it's not, it's never, well, not never, but rarely his choice, right? Like, oh, the he, heroic if, part if, of it? Yeah. Yeah, if a dude's if a dude's like mugging a lady and he shoots her, it's probably because for other reasons, and that lady just got super lucky that you know he did it then, right? Not yeah. necessarily the the collateral benefit of the Punisher is not yeah. her, like the his his collateral she's benefit. Collateral, she's collateral benefit, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not somebody getting. Saved. And then and then obviously uh, uh, Deadpool. Which a lot of people mm-hmm. are very familiar with Deadpool nowadays, um, but Deadpool was a very late addition. He didn't get introduced until I think ninety one. Uh, ninety one, and even then, he was just introduced as kind of a 
comic relief. Here's, he, was, he wasn't even comic relief when they first oh, no, introduced right. yeah, him. He, he was a... He was unfortunately one of uh, the footless creations from Lee Field um, that just was a thorn in Cable's side and would occasionally make <laughs> boilerplate snarky comments and um, then disappear somewhere. And it wasn't until, I can't remember who wrote it, but it wasn't until later they turned him into the wisecracking, near unkillable person that we all have fallen in love with. Um, just since then to be much of a kind of yeah yeah i mean he's and he's officially now been an x-man which is that was a thing like his rolling so arc uh, since like so the 2000s funny. has been so was at, he went on a recruitment drive where he kept trying to join different superhero teams kept trying to show everyone <laughs> he was a hero and eventually the x-men let him in for like two seconds and he had like a homemade x-men suit on and they're like this is creepy get out <laughs> um but he was on x-force he was on x-force though <laughs> Um. No, seriously, he showed up. It was really awkward that scene. Him in a homemade X Men suit. Uh, and then later on, he actually does join the Avengers. He gets the official invitation oh, from a very aged, won't go into that story, Captain America, to join the Avengers. The reason being, they're the Avengers are out of funding. Tony Stark is not funding them. So Deadpool, however, being the celebrity that he is is funding the Avengers. So So he actually buys his way onto the Avengers. Yeah, kinda. But now uh, but for anyone who likes with that. But for anyone who does like the uh merciless merce scenario with a mouth that you saw in the movies that just didn't care and did his own thing, uh start reading the comics now because the uh despicable Deadpool is this title of the new series and it's him going back to his roots. Nice. Nice. Well, and then no. and then there's also uh, Moon Knight, which was a big. Oh. Moon Knight was what was that mid seventies, eighties? Yeah, he's a complicated character. He he's a very complicated. complicated. Yeah, he very. I mean, he another another complicated is Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider from seventy two. He's. I would kind say of a, the Ghost Rider is not always complicated, whereas Moon Knight is. Uh, but it, I I think that kind of goes like, back to the the, the conversation kind of, about the uh, you know who's writing him too. Hmm. Yeah, right, I currently that, like the new Ghost Rider myself. Um, I would just say that at their core, Ghost Rider isn't necessarily complicated. Oh, right? the yeah, concept is it. not complicated. Whereas, right. like, yeah. the core of Moon Knight, I still don't. 100%. He was he was <laughs> Batman. He was Marvel's attempt to create Batman and play up on that whole idea of is Batman crazy? And here's Moon Knight. We're like, yes, yes, he is. Yeah, um, <laughs> But the unfortunate thing with Moon Knight is they've never quite nailed down whether he has superhuman powers because of the of of his origin, or if he is just if it's just one of his other personalities taking the lead and he thinks that this stuff is happening. I mean, he is legitimately that kind of a character that we he, they, there's a reason his series only come out in small bursts because there's really only so much you can do with him as a character mm-hmm. uh, without tripping over his own continuity um but he is cool and i love his outfit yeah um so let's let's look at villains for a little bit so we have we have uh some some of the villains that come immediately to mind is the group so we'll start with the teams um Mm -hmm. sinister six which was uh they have a pretty pretty entertaining 
origin story, actually. Uh, the original <laughs> group for the Sinister Six was Dr. Octopus, Vulture, Electro, Craven the Hunter, Mysterio, and Sandman. Um, and this kind of goes into goes into Damo's explanation of villains kind of having simple motives. Um, they're really easy to figure out. <laughs> they're really easy to figure out. And so, Doctor, remember correctly, that is the entire reason they got together. Yes, that is that is hmm. the entire reason Doctor Octopus put this together. He got tired of of Spider Man just wiping the floor with him. And so basically one of the he finally gets out of the prison or whatever that he's in and he puts out this call to like all of the villains that Spider-Man has over the years put in put away and only five of them are like okay fine we'll we'll come work with you and they're like even the five that come work with them like Vulture and like they they all hate each other like they do not work well together at all but hmm. the entire origin of the sinister 6 was literally we're tired of Spider-Man beating us. We're going to beat Spider-Man. That was oh kind of it. That was kind of it. <laughs> so it's one, of the, one of the first examples that I know of, of the, like, in comics, at least, of the tearing themselves apart um, because they're the bad guys and, like, snatching uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. Which, they, um, yeah. if you want to read a really good series based based loosely around the sinister idea of the sinister six uh we won't go into it uh too much but there was a the retitling spider-man a couple of years back was called the superior spider-man oh yeah um which was basically dr octopus took over peter parker's body oh god um oh no yep. and made him a better spider-man no lie well... but <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's the whole point of the series. That's the whole point of the series. Go read Superior Spider-Man. It was actually quite good. But anyway, yeah. one of the offshoot series they did of it was in the very first issue, a bunch of C-list Spider-Man vid- villains, the Beetle, Boomerang, Shocker, get together and form their own Sinister Six. <laughs> and it's a pathetic joke of a Sinister Six. So you have this brand new Spider-Man who's actually Otto Octavius running around in Peter Parker's body going... I'm going to make this better. I'm going to show hit Parker where he missed up all this mistake. And these people show up saying these, all these people show up saying we're the sinister six. And the first words out of his mouth are of the unmitigated gall (laughs) and proceed to beat them senseless. But then they go off to do their own book called the superior foes of Spider-Man. And it is a 22 issue run of these villains, literally snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Every bleeding time. But I highly recommend it if you like the idea of a, a doofy soup a doofy team that's trying to take it up seriously, like go read the superiors foes of Spider Man. Um and then before we jump to Brotherhood, uh Masters of Evil. I don't I don't mm. remember Masters of Evil. What what they was it? It was Zemo. I know Zemo. Zemo. It was Zemo. Um, but were they, Masters, were they against uh, Avengers or? They've always just kind of been around, like okay. mostly the Avengers. But they they've largely kind of either been very Hydra affiliated, or they've been mostly like a bunch of Captain America villains, okay. or um, like uh, I'm just looking it up right now. They've always had different people lead them. Uh, Zemo, Ultron, Zemo again. Otto Octavius, Crimson Cowl, yeah, like, 
mainly Zemo, though. It's been mostly Z- Zemo's softball team. Um, uh, let's see here. Yeah, I'm not too really familiar. Uh, yet yeah. again, another... But they do give us another uh, iconic Avenger. They they initially bring Wonder Man, Simon Williams, over to their side. and uh, Yeah, because Wonder, <clears throat> Wonder Man was one of the original of the Masters of Evil. Mm-hmm. And then I know Enchantress. Then, Enchantress was a pretty powerful figure, wasn't? Wasn't she the one that? She was the one that jacked around with Thor, and convinced yeah. everyone that Thor was, or yeah, convinced everyone that Thor was insane. Yeah, and uh, basically one of uh, Odin's attempts to become, you know, worst father ever. Uh, he basically <laughs> hires. Uh, he basically has Enchantress seduce Thor. Because he doesn't like the idea of Thor being in love with a human. Yeah, obviously that's yeah. that's a yeah. Let let that sink in for a moment there. Um, but yeah, no that that was her whole deal. <laughs> she, she was there to play like the other woman and failed horribly. And failed horribly. Well, in talking about Thor, you of course have Loki, uh, who's who's mm. kind of been around since since the beginning. Yeah, he's the reason the Avengers got together. Hmm. Um, and Loki's well, Loki's also uh, one of those characters that Marvel's really kind of leaning into using more. Uh, mm-hmm. I think mostly just because of Tom Hiddleston and uh, the cinematic universe's portrayal of him. Um, like he's showing up everywhere now. Uh, there was a storyline for a period of time where he died doing a hero- uh, committing a heroic act, so they brought him back, but as a kid. Because there always had to be a god of stories and tricksters, uh, tricks. Um, so it was a whole series about Kid Loki. Um, oh, wow. I very know well that written. They did, very well um, written too, though. They did the animated comic book back when I think one of the first Thor movies came out. I think it was the first Thor movie. They did an animated comic uh, series with Loki and Thor that kind of were, like tried to explain Loki and Thor's at least in the cinematic universes story their whole childhood and interaction it was pretty it was pretty well done um they did the same thing with iron man and the exodus no wait what not exodus that's destiny um god the 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 cellular exterminus exterminus yeah. so yeah oh. Um, yeah, which, then, uh, oh, for Loki fans, go start reading Doctor Strange. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which makes sense that they kind of are hand in hand because Loki does a mm-hmm. lot of Loki does a lot of that. Um, and then that leads us a little bit into Hydra, which is which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> They are they are the the excuse that Marvel has to punch Nazis in the face. Pretty much. I mean, I, I don't really think there's really needs to be any other introduction to Hydra. Um, though, okay, so here's here's a question: uh, Agents of Shield, the TV show, yes, has mm-hmm. Hydra. They actually introduced the the character Hydra. Was that yes? Was that in? Because I re- I thought Hydra I I thought I remember him differently from the comics. 
Yeah, you are correct. Hydra in the comics, Madam Hydra, Hive uh, was a very different thing. What they effectively did, if you're referring to what, uh, what was it, Grant? Grant, Yeah, who who basically was was possessed. Yeah. Um, He was basically, basically that Hydra was a reskin of a villain that uh, they had called Hive. Because Hive was not, right? Hive wasn't the the main big bad of Hydra in the comics, was he? Yeah. Yeah, no, he was just actually something they created in their labs. Okay, okay. So he was Hydra created, but he was kind of just something Hydra went up, uh, like whipped up. Um, okay, so he wasn't he wasn't the inspiration of Hydra like it was in the Agents of Shield. No, okay, no. Because I remember watching. I was like, this. It was it was it was something that was like it was close enough. I think to what I in. The, I mean, I haven't read comics in so long, sadly, that I'm, you know a lot of my memories are kind of clouded. So I'm like, I recognize this character, but I don't recognize that as being what they're saying. Which cinematic universe? There's a lot of that happening. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to get out of the way, and we're going to talk about the Brotherhood of the Mutants. Round one. <laughs> Round one. Actually, no. I don't think there's going to be a row over this. I think we're both on the same page. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. Magneto was right. I also agree. Cyclops was right, but we'll get into that later. Um. Uh. Yeah. So basically, Brotherhood of Mutants. Uh. It was so just just real quick. The original grouping was in about March of 1964. Was when they were kind of introduced. Uh, the original group was Magneto, of course. Magneto's kind of the always been the mostly always been the leader of that group. Um, and then there was Mastermind, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and the ever ever present Toad. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's obviously the most powerful of them all? Um, no lie uh for anyone wondering where where are they now in the current marvel continuity uh toad is toad was fired from the school as janitor he was their janitor because wolverine took pity on him and then he screwed up and now he got fired for being a janitor um yeah yeah that feels right that felt right um Uh, no, the Brotherhood of Evil, uh, well, the Brotherhood of Mutants, uh, it was originally called the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Um, and then later on, because X-Men is such, uh, is more of like the social commentary uh, type of title branch. Um, I don't know how to put it. I can't word well right now. Uh, it eventually just got down to Brotherhood of Mutants and then of course, they had like a couple of the female characters go, wait, Brotherhood. Um, but they were the progenitor uh, group of antagonistic mutants uh, or uh, the X-Men's interpretation of mutants who really weren't down for coexisting with humans. Um, and that later on led to other groups like the uh, Mutant Liberation Front, um, XL, and uh, other such organizations. Demo. And, uh, definitely my favorite of the uh, the, the things. Uh, I always, I, I really, the thing that makes X Men shine to me really is the confrontation between the two 
the two sort of ideals, which is that mutants, like the 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 Brotherhood and Magneto, legitimately think that mutants can't coexist with humans. It's not it's not that they don't want to. It's that they feel. I, I mean, well, some of them don't want to, but it it I think like in Magneto's case, particularly from his experiences, as we've talked about, he feels like he literally can't, um, because like humans will just keep recreating these nightmares and and particularly putting people that look different or are different. Um, and since realistically the whole universe is going to change, humanity is just going to keep repeating these mistakes because that's all they've done. Um, and so it's the Brotherhood is his attempt to protect his species um, from extermination. Um, and in many ways, humanity has proved him right time and time again. Genosha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's just have a moment there for Genosha. It, it's also interesting to point out that Magneto is is not just like you have certain villains in certain books, uh, like that they're that basically tied to certain titles. Immor- uh, for example, like um, Immortus in the Avengers, Doctor Doom for Fantastic Four, uh, Doctor Octopus for Spider Man. Um, certain villains lend themselves primarily to particular protagonists. Magneto within the Marvel com- Comics universe is generally feared and respected everywhere. No one messes with him. Um, what we were mentioning by saying Genosha was in the Marvel con- Comics universe, there was a uh, island state called Genosha uh, that enslaved uh, mutants. And after the X-Men uh, kind of had their way with that nation after they kidnapped several of the students from the school... Uh, the UN decided the best way to keep Magneto quiet was to give him his own nation, which worked until someone blew it up with Sentinels. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's one of those things where, like, there's been other circumstances where, uh, most recently, uh, in the storyline Secret Empire, uh, Magneto was basically promised a safe haven for mutants in exchange for non interference. Um, he's one of those characters that really everyone knows what he's capable of, so they don't want to test him. And the X-Men continually do, up until the point where he actually does kind of join them, or he starts leading his own X-Men squads, or... The X-Men are like a big family. People are just going to join at some point in time, and you'll just have to accept that that villain is now a hero. Mm-hmm. Or at least working for them. Yeah, at least working for them, Yeah. Yeah, it's um, delightfully complicated. Well, and I think that's what makes that's what makes Marvel so entertaining to read is that you know, and and I'm not digging at DC there because DC kind of does this as well, but Marvel does it very beautifully in the sense that they present the characters as having realistic responses to things. So, like you mm-hmm. can have you can have a hero who gets mad and these are super powered figures they get mad and they they have an, an instance of like you know they make a mistake well what happens when a you know a mutant makes a mistake that that has implications that are far greater than if you know i were to make a mistake or you have right. you have individuals like magneto who you know has arguably a very admirable in game 
like he you know his his end his end goal is basically like what you guys are saying is to protect his species because he he sees the world from and and Marvel really does a good job of showing how they get created I think is the other thing um that you know especially with Magneto you see that um which we've kind of gone back and back on but like you see where his past influences the way he sees his future even in and then and, and definitely how he sees his present but even Magneto changes over time you know the fact that he has children changes the way he does things the fact that to a degree the way he does you know the way that he changes when he joins the x-men for the time that he joins them and you know and all this stuff he's he's an evolving character whereas you know a lot of people will look at comic books and see you know oh these are just two-dimensional figures that are static and not changing marvel does a really good job in presenting figures that actually evolve and actually grow through their experiences and I think that's um, what... No, go for it. Go for it. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Sorry. I, I was saying that that's what, to me, that's why when I when I do go, when I do get a chance to read comics, most of the time I do find myself drawn to the Marvel comics um, because they they usually have story. And, and it's, a, it's a cumbersome thing, too, because you have to usually read the full story <laughs> to understand what's going on. But um, but it's an entertaining story, and it's a it's a story that most of most readers can relate to. So that that's all I was. Yeah. Go ahead, Ken. Well, no, and, and I was saying like a really good example. Like it drifts away from X Men for a moment, but like one of the best examples for that is uh, Iron Man, Demon in a Bottle. Like one of his most iconic storylines is Tony Stark wrestling with alcoholism, right. and the implications of that here is this billionaire with a super suit who's flying around drunk and he causes a lot of collateral damage. And it becomes that thing where Marvel had to take a hard line in the sand and like they had to take that risk and say like, okay, here's a flaw. Here's a very hard to write flaw. Mm-hmm. We're going to also have to make this stick. And Tony's sobriety has been one of those like hallmarks of his character since then. But again, very good example of Marvel trying to create a more realistic and more flawed type of character that you as the reader can relate to um, in that aspect, or even say like a eh, Peter Parker to some extent with, you know, the, the, the person who has a lot of talent, a lot of power, but constantly has to wrestle with um, responsibility and, and a lot of self-confidence as well. Um, you know, characters like that. And that's what really, I think makes the, makes the uh the publishing line or the the comics really really appealing in that aspect is that there is someone some character in the marvel universe that you're going to trip across and go like i can relate to that character that is my character right there whether it's like some little character some person that only appears as a member of the side team nightcrawler um Mm -hmm. i'm sorry i love nightcrawler he's my favorite he can't hold a solo book um but or if it's a major character like wolverine you know you're gonna find a character in the marvel universe that you can identify with fairly easily just because of that well and i mean like one of the another one that i that i think of when you talk about flawed characters and i can't remember if it was the ultimate version or if it was the amazing x-men but angel uh angel's backstory Mm -hmm. about his father making him file down his wings that was ultimate was that ultimate, that was ultimate. yeah 
like that. I mean, I remember reading that that particular arc and just being like, like, and and it's it's just again, it's one of those things where it's like they they don't, and I I love this about Marvel. Um, they don't. Well, I'm sure they do hesitate to a degree, but they don't really seem to hesitate to to present multifaceted figures. Like these Mm -hmm. these are not perfect beings. These are flawed beings who have happened to acquired in some fashion or way superpowers you know whether that is because you know you got bit by a spider you were you were born with something that automatically targets you you know depending on what side of the the spectrum you're on on that one you know and it's it's just i don't know i i just i really really appreciate how marvel does that to their heroes because there's there's a very easy line to take where you present a hero as this you know you know superman and and superman Uh has gotten has gotten better i mean he has gotten better but like the original the original original superheroes they were presented in that that you know limelight perfect pedestal figure and now we're looking at it in today's world where they're they're kind of ironically they're humanizing these figures who are above humanity um mm-hmm. i think i think that's marvel just hits that on the hits that nail on the head i think precisely because yeah. that's part of i i agree because i think that's what they've always been trying to do right right and i think that probably explains well, why marvel i think has always kind of called me more than dc dc kind of tends to write it feels like in in um like a pendulum swing like that it's it's very extremes. Um, and again, DC has gotten a lot better with this, but like originally DC was kind of like the, I mean, it, it's Batman, Superman, you know, it's, it's opposite ends of a polarity. Um, whereas Marvel, I, I don't know. And, and I, I have only really read recent, like, well, like air quote recent, um, like early, early two thousands, late nineties, Marvel, um, was when I kind of was really heavy into the reading of the comic books. And so like at that point it was kind of, they were, they were already kind of over that edge of that hesitation. And they were already kind of feel, it felt like they were already exploring that, that flawed hero concept. Well, I think to some extent, that's just been what they've wanted. from the Right. Um, well, and Stan Lee and Stan Lee's even pointed out that pointed that out. Like when, when asked about the creation of the Hulk, um, Stanley pointed out that he wanted a character that kind of represented that that anger and frustration that the that a that a skinny nerdy kid had, you know, like what if they had that power to suddenly become that big hulking strong person that you know that that doesn't take that be, that bullying lying down, mm-hmm. and that is in and of itself the creation of the Hulk, you know, that kind of a, a power fantasy in a sense, but unlike being a power fantasy where there's no repercussions because now you have that strength and you're recognized for it. You're a rampaging beast that cannot be stopped. Everyone is scared of you and you've let a lot, left a lot of damage in your wake. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm the Hulk. Oh, I'm the Hulk. Mm. Right. Well, it's Frankenstein's I'd, monsters. Yeah. Um, I'd much rather be she Hulk, but you know, Hey, <laughs> lawyer's out. Lawyer salary and the ability to control it? Sure, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a better life, yeah. 
<laughs> well, up until recently, she had yeah, she had a better life. I'd argue um, she still does, but that, <laughs> you're kind of grading on a curve here, and the Hulk's real low on that curve. I mean, he's just dragging, the, he's dragging the mean down. I mean, this is the guy who accidentally broke Harlem. True, true. This and is a guy that, that had to, no, got so bad. That is not an over exaggeration. He, Harlem. I mean, there's no air quotes. It's not like he had. I mean, that's the thing, right? That's like, sure, it changes at points, but he's not. He's not in control. You can't, right? Like, you can't blame his actions on him because he is like, like he was saying, like literally a personification of of blind, incoherent rage. Right. Um, though, though, watching so. the cinematic universe version of Hulk beat up on Thor is is just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just, just, pretty much everybody and beating them down at some I know it's just his his random punching of Thor is just the best part of every movie. <laughs> what was was that age of was that the uh, no, that was age was of Ultron? That was the first one. They crash down on one of the giant scaly fish ship things. Uh they're like kind of looking happy and content and he just smashes smashes him. That that just that particular clip just to me just like, makes I, me. I need you to understand that I am I am in charge. <laughs> that's exactly. He's like, just in case <laughs> you forgot. Just in case you forgot. I think that's the third best scene in that movie, and only because it's up against some real stiff competition. Because yeah. obviously Loki Ragdoll is number one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Loki Ragdoll might be best seen in any comic book movie of the time. Uh, particularly because of that little squeak that somehow Tom Hiddleston managed to make at the end. Uh, and number two goes to Shwarma scene because Shwarma scene is fantastic. Oh my I, god! Mm. I haven't I haven't seen the new Thor, but from the trailer, oh god, he, it's not out he, yet. He nails, it's not out yet, he nails right? that role just for that one reason. Because in the trailer, there's that bit where they're hyping up where you know Hulk is he, Thor's in the arena and they're hyping up Hulk and they announce Hulk. And they cut to that split second of Loki just leaning back on the couch, like, "Oh no, 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 no." Yeah. The one, the one from the I new, didn't, the trailer. I didn't, I didn't sign on for this. I didn't. <laughs> the one that I remember is when they're in the ship and they're like, "In the ship's password is oh, like, yeah. who is the strongest Avenger?" The strongest... Me, Thor. Oh. Incorrect. <laughs> um, since we're did we, did we get a chance to talk on the cosmic stuff? Because we've got a lot of... I know yeah. we don't have much time, but do we yeah, have we much can, cosmic let's, stuff? Let's jump, let's jump into a bit. Let's, uh, let's start uh, that's cosmic. All, that's, all you, that's all you. Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Well, then we'll just we'll start with the team since we're talking heroes and characters. Um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, well known for the five-person team that is in the cinemas. Star-Lord, Drax, Groot, Rocket, Gamora. Um, actually, a little bit more of an esoteric beginning to them. Uh, they were introduced initially in, in 1990, uh, 1969. Uh, the roster was very different. It was a uh, roster of major... Uh, well, that was a later roster. Um, Charlie 67, Martin X, Yondu, um, Starhawk, and uh, Major Victory. Um, they never could hold down their own title at all, really. So they were just kind of people that they would bring in. Um, 
that were, hey, we're from space, and X-Men did that way better, so Guardians kept getting shuffled to the wayside. Um, then eventually when Marvel kind of leaned into the full cosmic stuff in like the 90s with the Infinity Gauntlet, Adam Warlock, uh, granted those things, yes, did come well before the 90s, but they really leaned into it with the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, we got to see more of an interest in cosmic-based characters. Uh, unfortunately, that interest kind of died back down when the comic industry popped when it did in the 90s. Uh, and in 2008, um, Abnett and Lanning, uh, very well, uh, very good sci-fi, comic sci-fi writing team, uh, revived the Guardians as a new team led by Star-Lord, uh, who basically breaks out of prison when he's uh, in, in captured, uh, captured by the Nova Corps and starts basically just recruiting whoever he can to hold off, like, I think it was the Annihilation Wave? I can't remember. Um, uh, but Yeah. It, it was the annihilation that, wave. It's not that he breaks out. Actually, they let him out to stop. Oh yeah, that's right. To stop it, uh, and basically, they give, like him, they he... give him a team of misfits at best. Um, yeah, Rocket's in there, and he basically just kind of asks Rocket, like, "What you can there, do?" Rick's and... in there. Um, yeah, Phyla but, shows up later. Phyla Vell, but basically, Adam Warlock. Uh, but basically, they kind of become an official. Avengers-style team, where they have a central location, they kind of report to an authority, which was uh, Cosmo. The, the This is another thing I love about Marvel. Remember the dog the Russians shot into space <laughs> in early, he's, he's, original? He's a, hero. he's a character. His name is Cosmo. And the dog <laughs> survived and developed telepathy. And intelligence. Don't forget the intelligence. And like, intelligence. Telepathy on a dog is not super interesting. But he's super intelligent, and so he runs the show on Nowhere, which is that giant celestial's head. So the Guardians were reporting to a dog for a long period of time, which really did not, Rocket did not like. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But basically then, after an event, uh, I don't remember the exact name of the event, but basically the current iteration of the Guardians kind of fizzled. Uh, after an event that took place where to get rid of Thanos, they threw him into a place called the Cancerverse, where basically nothing ever dies because he's obsessed with death. But Star-Lord, Drax, and Nova get trapped in there with him. Years go by, suddenly they reboot the series in time for the movie. Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, that's your current lineup. Uh, If you ever read any of the current series, they do actually explain how... Drax and Star-Lord survive, kind of, maybe. We don't know yet. Um, but that's where we get the current iteration where to get people interested in the comic, they've been having members of the Avengers as liaisons. So Iron Man was part of the, the first team. Then they put uh, Venom, Agent Venom, uh, Flash Thompson, up there. Uh, Space Knight Venom. Space Knight Venom, yeah, which be, best 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 version of Venom, in my opinion. I'm sorry, uh, I know there was Eddie Brock fans, yeah. but Flash Thompson Venom was my favorite. I agree um, because they keep messing up Brock. Uh, we can do a Venom yeah. thing because he's my favorite. Yeah, one, he's one of my favorite Marvel characters. And uh, but basically, then they also bring in um, Kitty Pride and Thing from the X-Men uh, and Fantastic Four, respectively. So basically, the and now currently Ant-Man. Scott Lang. So the Guardians kind the of act Ant-Man. as like that, yeah, the good Ant-Man. Um, Guardians act as like the bridge team between the cosmic stuff and 
Earth, um, which is kind of important considering the big movie event that Marvel's trying to put out right now to connect the two parts of the uh, cinematic universe that they've been working I also on. want to put out that the stuff leading up to Annihilation and Annihilation are some of the best Marvel event stuff I have ever read. Might actually be the best, so I highly recommend it to anybody who seriously, enjoys. Seriously good sci-fi. Really yeah, good sci-fi. If, you, if you really enjoy... Um, the, the movies and you want to know more, that stuff is very good. The follow-up Annihilation Conquest is still good, but nowhere near the original. And then just just do yourself a favor and, and in my opinion, stop after that. Um, I don't know. This stuff has been good. I, but then again, well, no, I'm a no, big no, no, Rocket fan. Reboot, I'm a Rocket fan. The, the reboot is fine. I meant for that run. Sorry. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was getting there. The reboot is fine. It's just that run, they kind of go dark and emo for no particular oh reason yeah no i get you Um, and they train wreck a couple of characters that i think were really centerpieces for the team and so i just don't think it works very well (coughs) warlock Warlock and (laughs) were both fantastic and they train wreck both of them um for for anyone who wonders and why if you go to if for anyone who's ever only watched the marvel movies and you've gone to the movies with a friend to go see guardians and they start freaking out that Uh, adam and they start and they start when, yeah. repeating the words Adam Warlock over and over again. If He's you were in my theater and you heard somebody squee loudly, that's why. Like, I literally shrieked with glee when they did that. Basically, Goldskin Space Wizard. Gold spe- he's, oh, he's Osiris. Nah, to put it in Destiny terms, he's Osiris. He's kind of like Osiris and, like, Ikora and, like, other people combined. He's... Yeah, space he's, magic. He's it's big. He's space. big. He's big. He's he's big. Awesomes. And awesome. the thing that's great, the thing that's cool about him and makes him work is that it's not. It's it, it's he's not. He's very powerful, but he's also very cool. Like he's just a fun character um, when he's written what right. Like he's when he's written right. He's a good guy, right? Like he's just doing his thing, trying to make the world work. <laughs> um. And you know, and that and that does uh, lead us into one of the most iconic villains, I think, for Marvel. Um, that the movies can never seem to get right. Um, big purple, <laughs> or now big gold. Um, Galactus, the world yeah. leader. Well, he's only been in one movie, and let's face it, that series has always been a train wreck. Um, but basically really Galactus is, uh, is, is basically, I, the, I love the way someone referred to him because uh, there was a comic where they were discussing the way that mortal Marvel characters perceive these galactic entities. And they were discussing the fact that Galactus is the world devourer. You know, people see this giant purple dude with this tuning fork on his head, um, and these overcomplicated machines and some dude in silver on a surfboard buzzing around his head, um, saying, you're scheduled to be destroyed in like two minutes. Um, they, they bring it up like, do you think that Galactus actually looks like some dude in purple pajamas running around eating planets? No, you have no concept of what he is. Uh, but that is pretty much what he is. He's giant world devourer. Um, his, I don't think his origins ever changed over the years. He's always been fairly consistent in that role. That when you see him coming, you know you're kind of done. Um, unless you're Earth, unless you're Earth, in which case you are a constant pain in his behind. <laughs> uh, basically, he was a humanoid. He was uh, basically kind of like the last of his kind. Um, and uh, 
Yeah. Basically, uh, he's got so many different... The the best way I think to think about him is that he's a force of nature. Like, you can't assign good or evil to him. It's just, it's the thing he does. It happens to be evil from our perspective. And, I mean, you could argue lots of different aspects of philosophy with me over Twitter, if you want. But, um, like, he's a force of nature. There's no controlling it. No. Unless you're... There's no... Unless well, you're Earth. He, but that's only that's not even controlling it. It's just delaying it, right? Like right. he's pretty clear about so. that. Like he's yeah. he's just coming back later. <laughs> he's like, like fine. I mean, that's, that's that's pretty much been most of the Galactus plots. He rolls up to Earth, read Richards and the Fantastic Four, come out with a newspaper, shoo him off, and you know, um, <laughs> he's like, squirt oh, him not, with a water, yeah, squirt him with a water not, bottle, go get off. And... Oh, okay, I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> You know, he's he's operating at a loss because every time he shows up with a new herald, they quit. And so he <laughs> has to leave. Don't we keep taking them? <laughs> we keep taking them? Some, some, some go their own way. Some have become as villainous or more villainous than he was. He's tried taking existing heroes, turning them into heralds, and then they're like, wow, this is a crap job, and then they leave. You know, I mean, Or it's... worse, like he just superpowers them and then they beat his <laughs> down. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about aggressive recruitment policies, Apocalypse has got a much better HR group that he works with in that aspect. Um, (laughs) But but it's an even bigger tool. Yeah, precisely. (laughs) Um, But uh, Galactus is another aspect of the Marvel cosmology. And and to be honest, like if you look at the mind map that we wrote um, for this, uh, Ghost in chat... um, did a great job putting this together. Like they really know their stuff about the Marvel cosmology well beyond what I could even understand. And I'm able to pretty much recite every X-Men plot since 1990, Um, please help me. I don't want that knowledge in my head. Uh, I mean, there's some bad stuff in there. There's some bad really stuff in stuff there. In there. <laughs> There's some painful stuff in there. Tamla's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, if I could forget House of M, I would pay to do it. (laughs) I no, actually, if I I would like to forget the entirety of 2000s X Men Extreme Run because that was, as a fan of Storm, that was just embarrassing to read. Yeah, Um, there was some high points for me, but like mostly, yeah, it was pretty terrible. I like what was the one with Rogue and Sage? What was that one? That was a group with Sage, yeah. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Which was it? New X Men that had Rogue and Sage. No, that was Extreme X Men. Okay. Was oh, I, the so that... there was. I really liked that. The there's a great arc in that where like they're going to some alien planet to shut off some like interdimensional transport thing, and they don't have very many people. So Rogue has Sage, who has the ability to kind of like over to like push mutants further into their mutation. And so she does it to Rogue and gives her the ability to instantly recall any power she'd ever absorbed. Oh! So the other people go across to stop the thing, and Rogue stops an alien invasion by herself. Because, like, I mean, she's like, now I'm the Hulk, now I'm Magneto, now I'm both, now I'm Cyclops, now I'm Professor Xavier, now I'm Phoenix. And it's just, I mean, it's gooby and way over the top, but at the same time, it's just, it's one of those things like you're saying that you can only see in comics. It's just, like, mind-blowing to watch her single-handedly hold off an alien invasion. And just be like, um, 
And well, you know, since we're on Rogue and we're kind of deviating points right now, there's actually something I really love that they did within X-Men. Um, and what they do specifically within Marvel and X-Men, if you want to talk about a good example of character growth, not just highlighting the flaws. You have Rogue, who's always been, no matter what her power set has been, because it has changed from the whole super strong flight uh, and power absorption. It, power absorption has always been at her core. Um, there are some times where she's just been running around just absorbing powers, and that's it. Um, that's her flaw. She can't touch anyone. She's traumatized by the fact that her powers hurt someone she loved at a very young age. She was used by uh, her mother, Mystique, who is a major Marvel villain, just even outside of the X-Men. Um, adopted you know, mother. Adopted mother, yeah. And she goes to the X-Men to redeem herself. Um, but never truly gets past what's making her powers uncontrollable. Thank you, Professor X. Um, there is a series that got put out called uh, X-Men Legacy, which was Professor X basically doing a world tour, realizing, wow, I am messed up. Um, Man, I am really bad at my job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at this point in time in, uh, in Rogue's storyline, she had basically been driven to the point where even just touching someone for a second sent them into a catatonic state and she was permanently trapped with them in their in uh with them in her head versus the however long um so they do this story arc called uh, i can't remember what it was called but basically she helps professor x with something in australia that's they resolve and bring in a new character called danger which was actually a living danger room don't ask it's complicated and weird why um, just why because actually the okay real quick the danger room was actually a piece of sentient technology that professor x was aware was sentient the entire time but never chose to free from its shackles so then it once it did get free it came after him shock um but basically between danger and professor x they help rogue resolve the trauma that caused her powers to go uncontrollable and for a long period of time, for several years, she was able to start touching again. She had full control over her powers. And rather than put herself on the front line, she became a teacher. She worked with the school going up to these new mutants going, wow, your powers are a mess. Let me just touch you for a second. Okay, here's how we're going to help you. So as a good example of how Marvel writes a characters who are flawed, but then also grow, Rogue is an amazing character. Just to dig into her story past like that. Um, oh. I'll also note that the reason she got, had the super strength and flight permanently is uh, because Mystique forced her to uh, completely drain and almost kill, apparently, a little bit of a retcon, uh, Captain, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, um, or Ms. Marvel at the time, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and she's a big character and going to be in the movies soon, so obviously she probably won't have that connection then, but... Yeah. Something but no. to pay attention to. Yeah, but, but as you can see from the various tangents, um, the Marvel Universe interconnects in so many weird, different ways that it can spiral out, and you don't see as many divisions as you do see with DC. I still love DC, but the Bat, Pete, the Bat family stays in the Bat family. The Soup family stays in the Super family, Superman family. Wonder yeah, Woman doesn't really have a family. She's more just she really kind now. of wondering. She has Cassie and the other one. Yeah, she has a brother. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, the, other, the other Wonder Girl. 
too. So, but but basically, uh, Marvel does a very good job of kind of spanning everything across again. So, definitely a very colorful universe. I'll give it that. Holy cow! <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I th- yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I don't know. Demo DJ, do you think that's a pretty? I think that's a pretty good. One? I think that's a good place to wrap, actually. I think it's a pretty good place to wrap right there is, yeah, the the it's big. Go read the mind map, and honestly, just my advice as a longtime comic book reader to anyone who wants to get into comic books, especially with all the renumbering going on, go into a comic book shop, find one that talks to you like a human being. If they immediately start sneering at you and acting like a jerk, walk out, find somewhere else. Trust me, or it's if, worth or it. If the, or if they're trying to sell to you before you tell them what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go in if something looks like looks good, pick it up. Doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the story. If you pick it up and you like that, go up to the desk and ask them, "Can I get the other parts of this?" And they will probably tell you yes because that means more money. Yep. So just go find something and read. That's my advice. Yeah, and I, there's a lot yeah. of if you don't want to if you I mean there's there's other options too if people don't want to deal with comic book stores or whatever there's Comicsology has um, mm-hmm. a subscription service that uh, and Marvel has their own that's a little more comprehensive uh, and they're just a subscription service I think they're both ten bucks a month and they're they're I mean it's not access to everything they've ever done but it's access to an awful lot of their uh, their archives. Um, and, and you so can comicsology will give you more stuff, more different publishers. Marvel will give you a lot more of Marvel, uh, so you can tailor what you want to that. But they're they're very good services. And you can avoid DJ's fate and have to keep buying boxes and bags. <laughs> uh, well, and that's actually one of the questions I was going to ask as we kind of wrapped up is from both of you is like what what would your advice be? And so really, it's go and just. See what see what you're I would recommend. In. I would recommend yeah. if you're interested in Marvel, I would recommend getting their Marvel Unlimited and starting there because you can. Yeah, I mean, it's ten, the, the nice thing is that it's yeah, it's ten dollars a month, so like you can you can just read whatever you want, and if you don't like it, you just you just stop, right? Yeah. You don't feel bad. Whereas like if you bought a trade for fifteen bucks, sometimes you're like, ah, I'm going to keep reading this even though I don't really like it. Um. So, but yeah, like you can just sort of. Um, just try everything. Um, and like, if even if you don't like, like if you read some Avengers and you don't like it, just try a different era, right? Go, you know, skip ten years, read some more, go back ten years, uh, because everything changes. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly in Marvel, I think there's a lot of of good upheaval and change. Mm-hmm. Cool, agreed. And there's always Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool's always and and uh, Gwenpool is actually pretty fun too. God, Gwenpool God, is pretty Gwenpool. fun too. Yeah, I can't believe they did a Gwenpool. I did not think I would like it. I was like, it was is it, on. Is it, is it good? Is it? It is completely meta. It is so completely meta. That it is, is so completely power. meta, and it is actually very good. I'm gonna have to. It's go. not mocking. It's not Mockingbird good. You should also read Mockingbird. Blue, oh, I swear, yeah. it's okay. it's it's some of the best comics I've ever read. Just the. Like it, and she, they actually have Howard the Duck in it. Like she fights off a zombie. I'm not going to spoil too much, but she fights off a zombie invasion with Howard the Duck and Miles Morales. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> All right, oh, so Mocking, Mockingbird and Gwenpool. Got it. Yep. And obviously Spider Gwen. Yeah, Spider Gwen. I, I, Spider Gwen. Uh, 
That don't uh, Google no, that. Honestly, don't Google that if you don't want to uh, or switch your safe search filters on when you Google that. Well, I mean, for really? Any comic, any comic book female character? Well, yeah, any comic book, yeah, pretty on. much. But um, no, actually, definitely go. Uh, I would definitely check out Spider Gwen because it just started its new arc, Gwynum. Um. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> Well, no, and the thing is, is like it sounds campy, and it sounds like okay, yeah, whatever. It's a gender flipped version of Spider Man. No, everything no. in her world is flipped. Daredevil is not a good guy. Matt Murdock is the kingpin and probably one of the worst humans who've ever who's ever lived. Yeah, um, it's, it's an entirely he makes the, king, he makes the kingpin look like a cuddly bunny. Uh, Peter Parker was the lizard, and he is central to minute. the whole reason why Gwen is in the situation she's in. Um, it's, huh. it is not, Hey, let's put Gwen in Peter's place and duplicate everything. It is an actual set of events that occurred of what if Gwen got built by the spider? Oh, everything is different now. Yeah, no, I mean, so. it's definitely a full alternate universe, uh, examination, right? Like he says, like, it's not <laughs> at all just, you know, X changed. It's, it's like, it's a whole twist and like, well thought out too, in my opinion. Um, in that, like, I think, like, they do a good job of uh, making it make sense. Uh, like, they, it links up, like, it tracks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It feels, it feels I mean, organic. Like, if they can, if they can get away with uh, Spider Ham. <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, Spider Ham's a joke and always will be kind of a joke, even when he's in normal continuity. But. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's do okay. some let's do some shout outs real quick. Can, uh, DJ, what do you what do you got for us? Uh, well, shout out to the Safe Gamers and Dames of Destiny, uh, as well as the Safe Gamers Alliance, of which Focus Fire is part of it. Uh, Dames of Destiny just finished their most recent National Breast Cancer uh, Foundation donation drive um, very successfully. My dad, I don't remember what the numbers were, but it was a fun time. And uh, thank you, Green, for being part of that. That was a great segment. Um, even if we were all loopy by the end of it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think there would be a way to get through. Like, what wasn't it like the full weekend? Oh, God, it was. I mean, so many hours of those, Yeah, those, those, those multi, um, multi-day streams are just... And you guys took breaks, too, didn't you? Didn't, wasn't, yeah. It wasn't 24 hours. It was like 12 hour blocks, 12 12 hours each day, but it was intense. It was pretty fast. But um, yes, a shout out to them and the Alliance. Um, You can definitely check us out along with uh, Omnic Labs, who is part of the Alliance, if you Mm -hmm. are more of an Overwatch fan, too. So. All right. And how about how about you, Damo? Uh, Shout out to Focus Fire for bringing us all together. And uh, shout out to one of my favorite comic book shops here in Seattle, uh, Dream Strands. Don't know if anybody there listens to this, but uh... oh, nice. shout out to Golden Age Collectibles. There we are. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Another good one. Also in Seattle. Yay! <laughs> Beard. What about you? you uh, what shout outs you got? Uh, just continued shout outs towards Guardian Con and everything, since that's going to be coming up here soon. Uh, don't forget oh, yeah. to get your tickets, of course. Uh, everything pretty well supports St. Jude minus the ticket costs. Uh, donations have started already. Uh, plenty of other places are also starting to take donations for St. Jude because, you know, tis the season and all that. And great, it's wonderful November already, <laughs> being in retail. Anyway, the uh, 
Only other big thing then is just continued shout outs to anybody that is running with uh, the uh, cancer donations as well. Uh, both St. Jude and uh, St. Jude has done a number of things for my family. The uh, but cancer has also been a huge part, unfortunately, of my family as well. So continued thanks to any and all that do support those. Perfect. And um, real quick, next topic, like we said at the top of the episode, uh, next topic is going to be Hellblade, Sinuous Sacrifice. Uh, I really encourage people, even if you don't <clears throat> have a PlayStation like myself, they have. Uh, there's a number of people on YouTube who have actually patched together the cutscenes and the parts of gameplay that further explain the story of this game. This is one of the few games that I will really honestly encourage someone to just sit down and watch that. Um, most of the time, like I, most of the time, I'll be honest, it's really difficult to watch just cutscenes because it's it's somewhat disjointed. Um, this one, there's there's a little bit disjointed between the cutscenes just because you're you're jumping from you know gameplay to cutscene and you don't have that gameplay all the time in between. But the mm-hmm. story is just it, it's just amazing. Um, and if you're not already in the Discord chat, please you know jump in there. We're we're talking about it. Um, th- this is a very heavy topic um because part of the point of hellblade was dealing with the mental illness aspect of the character and and also how that that impacts what you know the character is going through and also really to encourage the discussion of what that does um so that's going to be pretty integral to the um to the entire chat when it already actually it already is um and so but yeah i i cannot I cannot suggest more strongly that to just watch it. I'll, I'll try to. Yeah, Pin's got me a link in chat right now, so I'll I'll put a link to that uh, in our show notes just to make sure everyone gets a chance to that. So, but definitely, if you have any thoughts, questions, and you're not in our Discord, or if you want us to read them as part of a dispatch on the episode next month, um, please be sure to send that. And um, other than that, I mean, holiday in. sales are coming up yeah, here holiday, soon too, yeah, so true. keep that's your true. keep your holiday. eyes on that. They do have a a PC version of Senwa's uh, Senwa as well. Oh, do they so really? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is up on PC because I was looking at that first, thinking I would much rather play it on the on the PC and maybe stream it sometime. Uh, but no, long story short, they they have it there, and I know Steam will probably start their holiday sales soon. Oh, that's right. And yeah, I might so. be on there. Lock down your yeah. wallets because it's gonna. Yeah, I'm betting it won't be in the first round because it's still yeah, relatively new. It's but it it's might a pretty, be. It's a pretty new one. But oh my! It God, is on yeah. Steam. It yeah, is it on is. Steam. Um, but no, 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 even, I meant it even, won't be in the first sale. Yeah, no, I can imagine because it's it's only been out for a month or two, hasn't it? Couple months. Well, couple months. To be fair, I, I kind of said that about several games, and actually, uh, I'll I'll just pull and wrap it out of my hat. Near Automata uh, was actually one of them that I didn't think was going to go on sale too quickly. The version was put on sale very quickly on Steam. I think it was only like two months later, and they had it like 25% off. Uh, uh-huh. So we're yeah, in I'm an not... age now that things are coming down. Plus, it's it... also an indie dev, so there might be a little bit more possibility. Oh. Anyway, sorry, demo. I get like a 13-man um, team on that one. It was like just 13 people that did that game, I think. Was it 13 it or 30? Small. I can't remember. It's it's very small. Um, yeah. What I was going to say is, uh, I, I'm not saying it won't, but I'm just trying to mm-hmm. say people you know, people should maybe not uh, get their hopes up too much. 
but oh, yeah, regardless, definitely. regardless, if you watch the cutscenes, you can get a really good feel for. Yeah. And it, I mean, just the cutscenes. I I was we were talking about this uh, again before stream, but um, like just the cutscenes. It was one of the ones that I I had had my eye on because it's it was it was very they were very transparent about it being about mental illness, um, and they so I was really interested in it. And I started watching this collection of cutscenes, and I just I did not realize like I just watched the entire thing in one sitting. Like it, it was amazing. I, I, I have not really ever had that happen with just cutscene videos, so really excited to see what what we get to talk about. But yeah, all right. So let's run through the outro. We'll stick around for a little bit of an after show, and then get out of here. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on thenewfocusfirechat.com. Thank you again, DJ and Damo, for jumping into the chat. We really appreciate having you both, and I will be sure to get your contact information links posted up with our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with either of you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback over on iTunes. Reminder that we do try to stream a recap of the month-long Extra Lore conversations on the first Wednesday of each month, but if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account, at FocusFireChat. Also, be sure to check out all our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. 